Father, we just thank you so much for our time together. Thank you for your word and the way it always speaks to our heart. We're just so grateful, God, that you teach us and train us in the way you would have us to go. I pray we can all put busy morning aside and just sit at your feet and hear from you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I know some of you are new this morning, and if that's you, we are studying the book of Ephesians. And the book of Ephesians is actually a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus. And he wrote it to explain to them of all the wonderful things we have available to us in Christ Jesus. And also to emphasize the importance of unity and purpose in the body of Christ. And if you missed last week, we met on Monday night in the pouring rain. But Pastor Ann did a great teaching out of chapter 4, where Paul encouraged us to walk worthy of our calling. As we live a life of godliness, united together as the body of Christ. And we, we learned that we're to walk in unity, we're to walk in purity, valuing each other's differences and gifts. And that was such an important part that she spoke to my heart, that we're all different. God made us all unique, but we're to value that uniqueness God has put in us. Um, Pastor Ann also encouraged us to walk in our new nature. She said we're to put off our old ways and allow God's spirit to work in us and renew our minds day by day as we grow and mature in the Lord. So it was a great chapter. You can listen to it online and kind of get caught up if you'd like to do so. Paul ended chapter 4 with these words. He wrote, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ Jesus forgave you. And as I was looking at that simple little paragraph, I thought, what a world we would live in if we were just kind and tender and forgiving to one another. It would eliminate hurt feelings and arguments, and there wouldn't be any road rage, and, and all the things we see going on today. Just those three simple words, be kind, tender, and forgiving. So today we're going to pick up in Ephesians chapter 5, and we're going to keep on walking. We're going to continue that walk that Paul called us to, to walk worthy of our calling. He's going to show us today how to do that. I live by a walking path. We have a little lake behind our house, and there's a little walking path, and I watch people walk all day long. I notice that some of them kind of stroll by and others speed walk as fast as they can go. Some talk to each other. Many are on their cell phones as they walk. Couples hold hands and moms push baby strollers. There's all different ways to walk. But most people, for the most part, walk alone. And they, they greet each other as they go by, just enjoying the scenery. We walk for many different reasons. We walk for exercise, we walk to move forward, we walk to make progress. And the same is true of our spiritual walk as well. I love to walk. It's one of my happy places. I love to be outside. I like to breathe the fresh air. And I walk my little dog, or she walks me, all nine pounds of her. 
One guy said to me, she walks like she's a husky, but she looks like she's a little dog. And she does. She kind of pulls me all the way through. I walk my husband when he lets me walk him, which isn't often, but every now and again he'll walk with me. But my favorite time is just to walk alone and talk to God and praise and sing, whatever I want to do. It's just my time with him. I really enjoy that. You know, walking physically is a good thing because we need exercise. We're called to that. But a spiritual walk with God is even better. In 1 Timothy, I'm going to go over a lot of scriptures today, so they're not all going to be on the screen. If you're a note taker, start jotting notes down, and you can look them up later. 1 Timothy 4.7 tells us that bodily exercise is good, but it profits little. And it says godliness is profitable for all things. So we want to keep a balance there, don't we? I see so many women so focused on their physical fitness, and that's a good thing. The Bible says it's a good thing. But we want to be balanced where we're even more concerned with our spiritual growth and our spiritual fitness. 1 Timothy 4.7 also says to train or exercise yourself to be godly. So it doesn't just jump on you. It's something we need to work at. We need to work out. Just like we develop our physical muscles, we need to develop spiritual muscles as well. And we do so as we spend time with God daily, developing our faith, learning to serve and focus on other people, and put on righteousness and holiness. Physically speaking, if you get a good coach or trainer, he knows how to work with your body type and just what your body needs. But spiritually speaking, God and his word will train us into a life of holiness and godliness and everything we need to live this life today. So we want to keep that balance. God, when my kids were growing up, they'd be going on and on about some story and I would just do this to them. And that means you're out of balance. Something needs to come back. So God reminds us all the time, let's keep a balanced lifestyle. Let's keep him first. We need God daily to be that lamp to our feet, light to our path, showing us just how to walk and where to walk through this life. Have you ever gotten lost? Think about it. When I was four years old, and I still remember this. We, I was at Knott's Berry Farm with my family, and I got lost. And I remember to this day the feeling of looking up and not knowing anyone around me. Nothing was familiar. And fear and panic rose up in me. And I saw a cowboy standing off to the side. And I didn't know much about Knott's Berry Farm, but he looked like he belonged there. So I ran over to him crying, and he saved my life, taking me to the lost and found. And I got reunited with my family. But I got lost because I wasn't paying attention to where I was going. I was walking along, but not paying attention. My brother is an avid hiker, and he was telling me that recently he was on a trail and he came to a fork in the road, and he went off this way. Well, he remembered seeing the map at the front of the 
station when he started and it told him about that fork in the road but he went in the wrong direction and he said before too long he lost the trail completely he became disoriented lost and he said I got lost because I wasn't following directions I was kind of doing my own thing so getting lost can be frightening physically and it can be frightening spiritually as well we can get off course spiritually, just like we can physically. What causes us to get lost? Two main things. Either we're not watching where we're going, like me, or we're not following the directions we've been given. So we need to be aware of those two things for sure. Whose fault is it most of the time that we get lost? It's our own fault. We really can't blame anyone else. At Knott's Berry Farm, I wasn't paying attention. On that trail, my brother didn't follow the directions, but the result was the same for both of us. We both got lost. So we need to keep that in mind spiritually as well, because when we get off the Word of God, and when we get our eyes off Jesus, we can slowly get off the path that God has for us. And before long, we'll be like, how did I get here? Where do I go? What what happened? It's because we're not following directions and we're not paying attention as God would have us to do. In Deuteronomy 5.32, Moses told the people, be careful to do what the Lord has commanded you. Don't turn aside to the right or to the left but walk in all the ways the Lord your God has commanded you so that you may live and prosper and prolong your days. In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 25 through 7, Solomon put it like this. He said, let your eyes look straight ahead and fix your gaze directly before you. Make level paths for your feet and take only the ways that are firm. Don't swerve to the right, don't swerve to the left, but keep your feet from evil. So Moses encouraged us to walk in obedience to God and his word. And Solomon's instructions were to walk purposely. Choose your steps carefully. Don't just walk around aimlessly. In Hebrews 12, we're told to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And when we get off that gaze, when we get, we get our gaze on other things, we can easily get tripped up and lost in life. Those pitfalls and bumps will get us every time, ladies. So God gives us instructions and directions for a reason to keep us on the path we should go. So as we pick up in Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to continue to walk worthy of our calling. And in verses 1 and 2, Paul says, Therefore be imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. When I read that first verse, I thought if we would all just imitate God, there wouldn't be any reason to read the rest of the verse because everything else would fall into place. But sadly enough, few or none of us imitate God as we should. So Paul's first instruction to us, if you're taking notes, is to walk in love. 
And we're taught right away in Sunday school that God is love. Yet we see so many people looking for love today, aren't they? They even wrote a country song years ago called Looking for Love in All the Wrong Places. And we still see that going on today. They're, they're looking to relationships, to people, to substances, whatever, to fill that void in their life. Um, but in Sunday school, we learn God is love and that he loves us. That's one of the first things we learn. My grandchildren still sing, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And so it's one of the first concepts we learn about God. And Jesus himself said, the world will know you are mine if you love one another. So love is important to God. We're instructed to love. It's actually a commandment, not an option. Yet few of us really grasp how great God's love is for us. And I think if we did, it would be easier for us to love others as we should. When asked which was the greatest commandment of all, Jesus answered, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. So again, it's a commandment. It's not an option. And God wants us to love. He wants his love to rule in us and through us to the world around us that needs it so desperately. So if God loves us so much, why do we struggle with loving others as we should? And I was thinking of some love blockers that we allow in our life. And it would be unforgiveness, bitterness, holding grudges, um, just to name a few. Um, even I was thinking about unrealistic expectations that we put on those around us. And then when we fi they fail us in some way, we think, oh, they're not worthy of our love. But we need to remember, ladies, that God is our example. And his love for us is unconditional. It's not based on, oh, we're so good or we're so deserving. He loves us because that's who he is and that's his nature. So it's a good heart check for us now and again. Consider, how am I loving others? How am I walking in love? And if you're having trouble, just ask God to give you a true glimpse of how great his love is for you. The Bible says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So that is an amazing love. That's a great love. That's an unconditional love. He, he, lo he loves us so much that he gave his son for us. You could say that we walk in love to the degree we walk with God. Because if we're walking with God, his love will rub off on us to the world around us. If God loved us so much that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, surely he can help us to love others in spite of their weaknesses or their imperfections. If we imitate God, we will begin to love others as he loves us, and people will be drawn to that love every single time. For the sake of time, I'm going to paraphrase the next few verses. Verses 3 through 7, Paul talks about things that we should avoid in our life. And any time I see the 
word beware or avoid or care, be careful. I want to hear what they're saying. So Paul says avoid sexual immorality, uncleanness, covetousness or greed, filthiness, foolish talking, coarse jesting, and idolatry. Paul says these things are not fitting for God's children. So we want to avoid them. I've always considered God's instructions to me as being what's best for me. He doesn't keep us from things because he doesn't want us to have fun or he's trying to punish us. He tells us to avoid things because he knows they will harm us or harm those around us. So we want to beware of ungodly behavior and, Paul says, of people who continuously practice those type of things. In 1 Corinthians 15:33, Paul warned not to be misled because bad company corrupts good morals. I've heard so many people over the years say, oh, I'm just going to pull this person up out of the pit, and then they end up in the pit with that person. So we need to be careful of that. Paul, we can't avoid ungodly people, and we shouldn't, because we live in this world. We live with them, and we want our light to shine bright to them for Jesus. But Paul says, be careful that you aren't led astray or caused to stumble or your faith to waver in any way. Let's continue reading in verses 8 through 14. It says, for you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, for whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. So our second instruction from Paul is to walk in the light. He reminds us, once you were in darkness, but now you were in the light. So walk as children of light. Years ago, when my kids were little, we took them camping up in Sequoia. And we went on a tour of a cave or a cavern of some type. And when we got way back into this cave, the ranger turned off the flashlight. And it was so dark in there that you could not see your hand in front of your face at all. And then someone in the back lit just a little pin light. And just with that little pin light, we were able to see each other's faces. It expelled the darkness, and the light started to shine through. So even a little bit of light will shine through in the darkness. But we're called as God's children to be children of light. And I was thinking as the body of Christ, when we all get together, think how bright our light would glow for the Lord. It would be seen for miles away, and that's the way it should be. We should, our actions should really reflect his goodness and righteousness and truth. And we are to find out, Paul says, what pleases the Lord and then do it. 
as we're led by the Spirit of God, that old nature that Pastor Ann spoke of will begin to diminish, and the new nature will begin to shine bright for the Lord as we walk with him. We learned last week to put off our old ways and put on our new ways, our new self, our new self in Christ, which is created to be like God, to imitate God, the Bible says, in holiness and righteousness. Years ago, we studied the fruit of the Spirit. I know many of you were here when we did that. But the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and patience and peace and kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And we learned that these are traits of God's Holy Spirit living in us, and they're available to shine through, bright for the world to see. We just need to allow that light to shine through as we imitate God and begin to shine bright for him. That old nature will die and the new nature will rise up and people will see the light of Jesus in our lives. So let's choose. And you know so much of our relationship with God is what we choose to do. We either choose to be obedient or we choose to be disobedient. Let's choose to be women who walk in the light, keeping in mind that, that, that God and his beautiful nature will shine through us when we do. We don't want to blend into this world. We should be standing out because we are set apart for God. So um, Paul goes on to say we're to have no fellowship with darkness or sinful behavior. But Paul writes, rather expose that behavior, that darkness. So how do we do that? How do we, dis how do we expose darkness in the world today? We do so by taking a stand for what we know to be right and true in the Lord. We blend in when we say nothing. Our light doesn't shine when we just stand in the background, not speaking out for God's truth and righteousness. So Paul exhorts us, wake up to what's going on around you and look to Christ to give you that light because the light will expose the darkness. And do we see darkness today, ladies? Yes, we do, everywhere we look. But our light should be exposing that darkness when we walk with God daily. And um, so we want to let our light shine, let the brightness of the Lord, the brilliance of the Lord. People should look at us and think there's something different about her. What could it be? It's that light of God shining through us. So as we continue reading in verses 15 through 20, Paul says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now Paul's telling us to walk wisely. Don't we want to be known as wise women of God? Of course we do, because the opposite is a fool. 
we don't want to be known as foolish women. Nobody would respond or respect that. So we're to walk in wisdom diligently, carefully, and wisely. In other words, he's saying, choose your steps carefully. Don't just roam around aimlessly. Watch where you're going and make the most of the time and the opportunities that God gives you in this world. He says, because the days are evil. One of my commentaries put it like this. It says, keep your standards high, act wisely, and do good whenever possible. Make a note to yourself, if you have time this week, to read through Proverbs chapter 4, because it talks all about walking in wisdom. In fact, all of Proverbs, you see the contrast between a fool and a wise person. They're opposite all the time. One of my favorite verses in Proverbs 4 was in uh, verse 12. It says, when you walk, your steps will not be hindered. And when you run, you will not stumble. Take firm hold of instruction and do not let go. Keep wisdom, for she is life. So we need the life of the truth of God's word. Proverbs, like I said, compares a fool and a wise person. And we want to choose wisdom. So let's walk in wisdom, ladies, allowing God and his word to direct our steps and the path that we should go on. I want to focus for a moment on that little verse in verse 20 that tells us to give thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our next walk is a walk of gratitude. Are you grateful? Are we grateful people? I don't know if we are as much as we should be. We seem to complain and criticize more than give thanks and praise. So Paul's telling us here, give thanks in all things. And all means all, right ladies? It means um, any whatever. Any whatever you're facing, give thanks. And so you're probably sitting there thinking, you don't know what I'm going through. I'm not going to give thanks for this. It's horrible. Paul says, give thanks for all things in the name of the Lord Jesus. When we look back in the Psalms, David praised the Lord no matter what he was going through. And he went through hard times. In Psalm 103, he said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. And then he starts to remind himself of all the blessings of God. It's like he was saying, come on, soul, wake up. Let's praise the Lord. Get out of the blues. Quit feeling sorry for yourself. Don't be down in the dumps. Praise God. Um, we can praise God intentionally. We can do it on purpose. We just have to make an effort. And when you do, your feelings and emotions will catch up with your words every time. When downcast, again, in Psalm 43, 5, David said, yet will I praise him. That should be the cry of our heart. No matter what we're going through, yet will I praise him. For he is worthy to be praised. So let's have a heart of gratitude and thanks and praise and watch negativity and depression leave as you express your gratitude to God. 
Remember that song we used to sing, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. When you're feeling down, when you're feeling blue, turn your eyes upon Jesus, praise him and give him thanks. Paul tells us to speak out in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and make melody in your heart to the Lord. Another good antidote for the blues is to put on praise music. Ask God to put a song in your heart, and he will do so. I always have a song in my heart. Every morning when we wake up, my husband says, so what's a song for today? And I don't have to think very long before. God really speaks to me through music and songs. And so often I'll be going throughout the day or walking and a song will be on my heart. And when I really listen to what I'm saying, it's exactly what my spirit needs to hear. So ask God to put a song on your heart and he will do so. Sing out to the Lord. Praise him in your song. And I promise you, it's good medicine for your soul every time. In the book of Acts, chapter 16, starting in verse 25, we find Paul and Silas in a prison cell. They had been beaten, they were cold, they were dirty, I'm sure, and miserable. You can only imagine. Yet the Bible says we found them at midnight praying and singing hymns to God. And it says all the prisoners were listening to what they were saying. It goes on to say, and suddenly the earth shook, the doors opened, and those chains fell off. Some of us need a suddenly in our life. And Paul tells us how to get it. Sing praise and give thanks to the Lord. Make an an effort to do so intentionally. And as you focus on God, give thanks to him, no matter what your circumstance or how you're feeling, your doors will begin to open and those chains will begin to fall off and you won't be led by your feelings and emotions, but by your praise and thanksgiving to God. So let's give praise with a thankful heart each and every day. If you don't know where to start, start with the air you're breathing or the fact that you can stand or talk or whatever. There's always something to praise God and then build on that. As we continue re a reading, Paul moves into relationships. And in verses 21 through 24, he says, Submitting to one another in the fear of God. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church. And he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Now, since I've walked with the Lord, which has been a long time now, I know a lot of women have problems with this word, submit. But it's in the Bible. It's straight from God. It's not my opinion telling you to do something. It's God himself telling you that he's given us order for the family. Christ, the husband, the wife, 
and then the children, and then ministry or jobs or whatever falls in after that. And I remember exactly where I was the first time I heard this concept, and I'm like, huh? But you know what? Again, ladies, God knows us. He knows what's best for us, and he's telling us there needs to be order in the home. We don't have a problem submitting to God but we are to mutually, he says, submit one to another. So we're to mutually submit to each other out of love for God. And when we do so, again, he will bless our obedience. Now, my husband and I came to the Lord at the same time. So I've not really had a problem with this. In fact, to me, there's a lot on his shoulders being the head of the home that isn't on my shoulders. When we have main decisions to make in our family, we pray over them, we talk them through, but we don't always come to the same decision. Then my husband makes the decision. Has he always made the right decision? Not always, but through it all, he's grown. He's grown in his faith. He's grown in his relationship with God, and our relationship has grown even when mistakes have been made. So ultimately, I can trust God now to direct my husband. But because I'm submitting to God, I can submit to my husband. Um, take note here of the main points that Paul's making. He's writing to believers, saying both husbands and wives are to live under the lordship of Christ. So that's a, a place for each one of us. And then he says, live each for the other and both for the Lord. I love that statement, live each for the other and both for the Lord. Praying together, being in the word together, living in harmony, submitting together. Ideally, this is how God would have order of the family. Now, I know not all marriages are ideal because many women find themselves married to unbelievers, men that aren't walking with God. What then? What do we do then? Well, we're still to follow God's directions because it doesn't say just submit to your husband if he's a believer. We're to submit, give him the, the place in the family that belongs to him. But 1 Peter 3.1, Peter tells us this. Again, he says, wives, submit to your husbands. And then it says that even if some do not obey the word, in other words, if they're not believers, they, without a word, may be won by the godly conduct of their wife. So men who see Christ in us, it, there's nothing more beautiful in a woman, or a man for that matter, than Jesus in their life. So it, Peter's saying here, men may be drawn to the Lord through our conduct. So that's a big responsibility for us as well. I've watched women walk this out over the years, and it's not always easy. I know it isn't. But again, God blesses our obedience when we are doing it as unto him. He gives, us high, he gives our husbands even higher standards, and Paul speaks even more words to our husbands that they are to love their wives as Christ loved the church. How much did Christ love the church? He died for us. He gave his life. So that's a high calling on a husband. 
Ultimately, we're to love and respect each other as unto the Lord. And when we can do so, it will bring peace and harmony in our home and our family. So if you find yourself out of order, because we can't always change other people, but we can change ourselves, right? We want to line ourselves up with what the Lord says to do. And when we walk in obedience and submission to God, we will grow and change, and others will notice that in our lives as we allow the Holy Spirit to mold and shape us into the women he wants us to be. I want to wrap up this morning with going back to our very first verse and focus on what it means to imitate God. As I said, if we simply put that into practice, so many other things would start to fall in place in our life. We would walk in love and light and wisdom and gratitude and submission to him. It only makes sense to imitate and follow the one who created you and loves you more than anyone else. We have a pastor friend in Ohio, and due to an injury when he was young, he walked with a slight limp. And over the years, we watched his little son, who adored him, hold his hand, and he would walk just like his daddy did. He would kind of swing his leg a little bit. And we noticed that he was imitating his father, not intentionally. He was just doing it because he was spending so much time with his father. And he was starting to pick up those traits automatically. You know, the same is true with us ladies. God wants to hold our hand, and he wants us to walk with him. And when we walk with him closely, we will begin to walk as he walks in his ways and his truth. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much for just your directions for us today to walk um, in, in a way that is worthy of our calling, in a way that you placed on each one of our lives. God, we look to you to be a lamp to our feet and a light to our path, showing us how to walk worthy with you, following your lead and your direction for our life. And ladies, if you're here this morning and, and the things we've talked about kind of touched a nerve, maybe you realize I haven't been walking with God. I'm kind of doing my own thing, and I don't want to get off the path anymore. Or maybe you realize you're not, you've never walked with God. You've never made that decision to do so. We're going to pray a prayer, and ladies, God loves you. He wants to take you in his arms and walk with you through this life. You don't have to do it on your own. So let's all pray together, and if God spoke to your heart, wrap, just wrap your heart around these words, and Jesus will come into your life. Um, let's just pray. Lord, please forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and direct me in the way I can walk with you and follow the path you have for me. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, ladies, that's just a little prayer, but it's a big event, and it is life-changing for sure. We don't have to roam around life 
aimlessly trying to decide which way to go. God will direct our steps. And if you prayed that prayer for the first time, Pastor Gary wrote a little book that will get you started on your walk with God for the next seven days. So there's table connectors at the table. If that's you, let them know that you prayed that prayer. And, and this morning, we've talked about a lot, but the main thing is we want to walk worthy of our calling. And Paul's directed us in ways we can do that. So let's talk about that today. You might see areas, I'm really strong in this area, but I could use some help and prayer in this area. Let's share it with each other and encourage each other each step of the way. God bless you, ladies. <laughs>